0: satellite bull gets too close the big bull runs might go 100 yards after this bull as soon as that happens the other little dudes are in
1: there you see this happen with African predators all the time this explosion happened the crap I'm gonna get a mountain lion the elk gathered up in this real tight unit and then all of a sudden mule deer blew out of pockets that we didn't even know there were pockets and they were running right at us there were deer everywhere
0: I had one, He was. it was so rude, it was about 11 o'clock at night, pitch black, and I was just brushing my teeth by my tent, and he wanted to take me out. Welcome to this episode of Wild and Exposed, your wildlife photography and outdoor adventure podcast. This week, we're going to have part two of autumn photography in the Colorado Rocky Mountains where Michael Morrow and Ron Hayes had an amazing adventure filming a variety of large mammals. They went after elk. It was near the end of the rut but still very active and a lot of things unfolded during their time there. Before I get into that I'll just take a quick moment and I want to ask you to please take the time no matter what platform you're listening to our podcasts on to subscribe and follow along And take the time as well to give us a positive review, give us a thumbs up or five stars. That helps us to continue to do what we love to do and to bring you these podcasts week after week. So without further ado, we have a new segment that we're starting with this podcast. We're going to offer a pro tip to get things rolling before we get into the actual story of adventure that the podcast is about. So this week, I'm going to pass that over to Ron Hayes and he can offer this week's pro tip. Hold it.
2: Before you do that. Yes. I think you should give some credit to who came up with this idea. I mean, and we've kind of had it in the past, right? We did talk about photo hacks, which is kind of like a pro tip. But what you did is you consulted a younger digital connoisseur. Mm -hmm. Yes, you'll love uh, that. And you might just throw out a little shout out because I thought it was, it's a good idea. I think it's an awesome idea.
0: Yeah. Right. And, you know, Andrew has given me so many ideas when it comes to the digital marketing, social media over the past few years. So my son, Andrew Raycroft, came up with the idea that we should be giving something right out of the gate to our listeners that we've learned along the way that can help with what they're doing in the field, whether it's a gear tip, social media, any kind of hack. So we're calling it the pro tip where we're going to pass something on each and every episode right out of the gate to help with what you're doing in the field so yeah i'm, I'm grateful that he came up with that and, and kind of refined that for us we had talked about it so thanks andrew and we'll spin that along and i'm sure he'll even have some great ideas because he's traveled with me on on several trips into wilderness and become a good photographer himself you know it was funny he gave me a, a great compliment on text i haven't seen him in a while uh, this week and i threw it right back at him because i said he inherited the eye too you know I I was joking around that it was a gift right Um, because on his second trip to the far north he did so well he's had probably a dozen pictures published including three or four magazine covers from that trip so it's fun to have him along and he's got great insight into this profession that I'm involved in and he can share that with us with some of these modern ideas about how to present it you know to to everybody in the most appealing way Mm -hmm. there's something else to get things rolling today just want to say that Today's podcast, uh, Michael, Ron, and I are hosting it, and Ron is in Wyoming, and we'll just touch base quickly like we like to typically do, see how things are going. I didn't do that right out of the gate, and I want to, because I've had an exciting week. So what's going on in Wyoming, Ron?
1: Well, it was unseasonably cold, and now it's unseasonably hot again. I mean, we had our first real hard freezes, felt like late November, early December, there for about a week. And then today we're back up over 70 again, so it's uh, it's a lot warmer than average. But again, it did get very cool. I uh, Since our trip, the trip that we're going to talk about today, I haven't really been out. Uh, it's been a busy week, week and a half or so, so I haven't really had the chance to have the opportunity to get out. So I'm anxiously awaiting the next trip as well. But
0: Well, and the trip that you guys went on turned out really well. I mean, there's a lot of things unfolded, I think, more than anticipated from what I saw. And I can't wait to hear about it and ask you questions. So, okay, so we've got Wyoming having hot flashes and, (laughs) and, and Michael, what's going on in
2: Denver? It's the same. You know, Ron and I, we're only, what, four hours apart. So we're about the same weather. And we had a little bit of snow. Everybody gets excited. Ski areas are opening. And then now it's 70 degrees. So there's not i'm gonna head out and uh look for some whitetails and for some muleys this week um i didn't go out on the weekend just because all the the masses are out at that time so i basically sure. just did a lot of office work but this week i'm gonna head out and see what's going on we still have a lot of good fall color in the in the denver area so hopefully you can get out there and find some of that because a lot of times when you're doing the deer rut it ends up being well here in colorado it ends up being brown the grass is mm-hmm. brown the trees are brown the deer are brown you know so if you can add any color at all to that it would be awesome so i'm gonna head out and see what that's like and go from there and the other thing we should mention is doug's not with us today because he had a schedule, a scheduling conflict but um Normally, he'd be on board, too, just talking to us. You guys probably hear the siren going. I was, was going to
0: say that's got nothing to do with Doug, right? That's got nothing the sirens? to do with Doug. No. Okay. Just, <laughs> just kidding, Doug. We miss you, man.
2: It's so warm out. I guess I'm wearing a sweater. I shouldn't. But I've got the door open. It's still 70 degrees here in Denver. Oh, well, it's 69 right now, and it's, what, 630. It's dark out, and it's still 69 degrees. Wow. I got one other thing to add, too. Um, yes, sir. Let's throw it out to the listeners too for those pro tips. Cause it would be great for someone to write in and say, Hey, I would really like to know how do you manage your cards? What do you do mm. for, you know, keeping your cameras from fogging up? What do you do for whatever it is? I mean, that, Vaseline. that's good. Vaseline. Stuff.
0: On the lens, Yeah, <laughs> but don't do it at home. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Stay away from the Vaseline. Um, Yeah, it's good. So, I mean, we're always open to hearing from listeners, right? Comments, questions, all of that is good. We love that interaction, whether it's on social media, whether it's on our Instagram, you can direct message us there at Wild and Exposed. Uh, You can do it on our website at wildandexposed.com as well. So we definitely invite any interaction. And we appreciate, you know, there's been more and more positive comments coming back on all our platforms. I've had them on YouTube, um, and that's at Wild and Exposed podcast as well as on Instagram, um, quite regularly now, people have been shouting out and saying how much they've been enjoying our stories and our adventures, and we really do appreciate that. We we love hearing from you, and, and it only gives us more motivation to, to continue on and, and share everything we can with you folks.
2: Right, and it's been a while since we put out a podcast, too, so uh, we're going to work really hard at trying to get a more scheduled
0: approach. By the time they hear this, there's going to be a whole bunch of them have just... Gone through I two, know we have five
2: right? of them sitting there waiting yeah. for approvals. They're, I mean, yeah. I like to They're put good. them to you guys before we actually put them out, and then we got to get pictures and we got to get video. It's, it's quite the process, but we'll get we'll get on a schedule and, yep, make it work.
0: Quality first, people. Quality first. That's what we're working on. We want to make sure everything we give you is worth listening to, and we do have quite a few. And this has been, you know, quite a process. we've been all very involved with it traveling together to various destinations or independently and making sure that we document our trips well enough to share it with you on the podcast through the conversations we have with the audio podcast through the video shorts on youtube with the vlogs and also with the show notes so all the photos and videos and and links are there that we talk about so we're trying to put out a really good product to share with you Um, and so there will be many more. And it's it's cool because what we do changes through the seasons and you get to come along for the ride and hopefully enjoy what you're hearing and, and learn from it and give you some inspiration to have some similar experiences of your own. So to conclude on on the trio today, here in Ontario, fall colour is nuts. It's peaking right now. So ever since I got back from Newfoundland, it's been nonstop running balancing office work because after being away for the whole month of September everything's backlogged so I'm trying to get us caught up on editing and our other commitments but also I don't want fall color to go by and really here it's about two weeks of peak and you never know when you're going to have a high windstorm or heavy rain that's just going to change it overnight and I like to get fall color when it's halfway through the transition of falling off of the trees so it opens the canopy so I do a lot of wildlife whatever species i can because color is so magnificent this time of year but i specialize a lot on whitetail deer and if i can find them in the forest it's best when the canopy is at least 50 percent off because it opens the light in the forest on an overcast day there's a wonderful color on the on the forest floor of all the foliage that's fallen And then that strong enough overcast light to illuminate the animals so that's happening right now and i'm having some good success over the past week it's actually only been five days that i've been filming whitetails and uh, it's been fun been been a lot of fun so far but it's it's crazy because it's just if the, the weather too right if you get a sunny day you can't do it. So you're going to other locations, you're getting, I'm, I've got a handful of places that I have within a day's drive of me, you know, and I know if it's a sunny day, I want to do morning and evening when the deer are more active, but it's more open habitat and works for that. If it's a situation where I need to find them in the forest, I need an overcast day. So I need to watch the weather like a hawk and just play it and gamble sometimes. If it's gonna be chance of cloud, no to go to this destination, not that one. So it's, it's a fun time of year. And all of falls, I mean, since we start in the far north in August, and if you've been listening to the podcast, you've enjoyed those starting up in Alaska and and our adventures up there, and it's it's a, what's the word? It's just a crazy ride. It's my favorite time of year because autumn is comfortable for filming. The animals are more active. They're at their peak physical condition for the year. It's their mating seasons are approaching. They're active through morning and evening, and the colors change. And we get to ride that wave of color from the end of august early september in alaska right through until november as we move south and work in different areas so that's that's the crazy fun that's been going on around here so the colors still here but that could change any day because we're approaching the end of the month and usually by halloween the trees are bare and they have that great look like scarecrow look where at dusk they're just these skeletons outlined i love halloween <laughs> So that's what's what's going on here in Ontario. Lots of pictures and lots of editing and and stockpiling for the winter And talking about stockpiling and memory cards and editing, let's throw that pro tip at Ron so you can tell us what you discovered this week. And he was excitedly telling Mike and I about this product right before the podcast. So we pulled an Audible today, and we're going to have this as our first pro tip. What have you got to share?
1: Yeah, so as technology changes, obviously availability of different memory products changes as well it's only been in the last what two three years that portable ssd drives have been available and the ones that started out i think the ones that that mike uses uh, for his larger files larger format files was about six seven hundred dollars for the larger uh larger drives and i will just show throw out This little baby is uh, from SanDisk, and I have two of these. They're both two-terabyte drives now. Uh, One of them is – I can't even remember the name. It's kind of an off-brand Vectech.
0: Now, you got that at the local veterinary
1: office? And that one is a – what's that?
0: (laughs) Did you get that at a local veterinary office? Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't haven't heard of that. Something I want to just quickly interject and say, when that – the ssd the solid state drive you held up with sandisk the new one just seeing that showing that to mike and i it's not much difference in size than what your fob would be on your car keychain. it
1: looks like no it's uh, it's very small right Um, and so this one is what i've done is i use the other one is is about the size as a regular you know portable drive this one is real small so this is like my pocket drive now so i have one that's kept in the vehicle and then i keep that one in in my pocket and then i've got the copy of images in my camera i've got two copies on both ssds and the thing that makes these ssd drives so so nice to use is they are just smoking fast and the um i did switch over recently to mac and the the computer that i have just has usb type c and so this the sandisk drive has a usb type c connection Or you can use the USB 3.0 also, Uh, but with the the Type-C connection, and I I would assume with the USB 3.0 as well, it is just really fast. You can throw your cards on, download everything, and be done in about five minutes, then go have dinner, do whatever you need to do. Or, you know, depending on how you're set up, before you leave the location, you can start a download and, and it'll be done by the time you get back to wherever it is you're staying. So it, it, it's a great product.
2: So uh, two questions. Where'd you get it? And then did it come with the USB-C and a USB-3 cable both or? Yeah. And actually it's one? just,
1: I'll show you. So here's the, well, you guys can see it. I guess everybody else can't. Uh, we'll maybe put I'll a link in the show notes. Show we, show we know notes, they yeah. have good
0: imaginations.
1: Right. So I I got it off Amazon Prime, and it comes with the USB-C, but then it comes with an adapter also. that You plug in the Type-C, and then that goes right to a USB 3.0. You know, I did buy a little small case uh, because I wanted to be able to keep those connections separated from everything else, so I kept it in a a small case. And the size,
0: the portability, that's tiny.
1: Right. Yeah, a super size. Portable. So to have well, a two
0: terabyte solid state that literally is that small, you know, it's just so user friendly for wildlife nature photography where we're outdoors, where we're flying on airplanes, where we're, we're limited with what we can pack for gear. The smaller these memory devices are, the better. And, and we were talking before the podcast when Ron had brought this up, you know, I was excited about it because, you know, you get two of those. And if, it, if you can download your card in a matter of minutes, you can back that up. You're off to the races. Often on my trips, you know, the days are long. We get tired. I have every intention of, of downloading the cards, but I don't get to it day after day, you know, because there's a social event where we meet up with some people at the end of shooting, or we're just exhausted. We end up going to bed. We need to sh- There's other things come up. So anything that expedites the downloading so that it literally, you know, it's not going to take you more than five or 10 minutes, it'll get done then, which is better for the security of the images and the effort put forward. So, the more efficient this process is, the better and i you know so I'm excited about this. I think it's a great pro tip because of that efficiency, because of its size, and solid state drives i mean obviously they that particular model's new, but you know without moving parts, they should be very reliable
2: and for you, when you pack your hard drive around, I mean you always have a hard drive with you, just you know we're on the road a lot, so you don't necessarily want to leave your whole life pictures on a drive in the car that could get broken into or catch on fire or whatever the case is i mean that thing will fit in your pocket
0: just like a key fob struck by lightning could get struck by lightning too yeah Yeah. tornado tornadoes more and more of those these days as we all know but yeah i love that fob idea because the hard drives it used to be you know 10 years ago my backpack went everywhere with me at times it still does You know, we're smart enough where we're often going for lunch or dinner. We'll park where we can see the vehicle and keep an eye on our gear. But I still pack it. And it used to be the drives that fill your coat pocket like you've got six hockey pucks in there, right? And it's like, it's cumbersome. And these little things, that's awesome. The size, the weight.
1: I'm ready. Let's do
0: it. I'm on board. All right, that's the end of this podcast. I'm going to go order my solid state drives.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We'll put a link in the show notes. That way anybody the can product. go find it really fast and you can see it and then actually go and buy it if
0: you want. Cool. Will do. So let's go out to the Rocky Mountains. I want to hear about, I've seen some teaser images that you sent me over text from the days that you were out there and what happened. I was surprised to see what happened given your conversations of weather and and what it's like. I expected it to be warm and you guys would be basking in the sun, filming the elk rut, just relaxing it was it was great wildlife photography weather as far as i'm concerned
1: oh it's
2: fantastic yeah well and ronnie kept saying oh it's gonna snow it's gonna snow and i was up there a day before he got there i just drove up for the day to check it out and it was the forecast was for snow and i got up there and it was windy and sunny and i'm thinking oh man this is just not gonna be good because it generally that pattern forms and then it just stays windy but we decided to to go anyway and we got up there and yeah the the weather was perfect for us i mean not a lot of wind but we had overcast skies we had some snow we had some rain i don't know it was just really good you should fill it in from there ron you well the cause
1: it was a few days of uh we could have shot all day every day as long as there's a subject in front of us because the we never did really have there was one time and we kind of had some harsh light and we kind of backed off of it a little bit, but that was the only downtime we had, really. The rest of the time, we had, you know, it was either overcast or we had we had good light, broken clouds, and and so we were able to keep shooting and stay on these animals. Initially, we we had a little bit of trouble finding elk that were in a spot that we could take advantage of them. Uh, we found some good mule deer. There was a group of five bucks, Mike. Yep, I think total. And actually, you found one before, another group before that we ran into later on. But, yeah, you know, this group was right along the roadway. And there was one buck that was pretty good. And, and they were, you know, it was tough because they were feeding and they weren't really doing much else initially. So they didn't give us many opportunities. Uh, but we did get to revisit them later. And they put on a pretty good pre-rut type show. Um, there was a little bit of sparring, and, you know, a couple times those sparring shots, they don't they don't look athletic at all. They're both just standing squared up, straight up and down, and their heads are down, and they're just banging antlers. But a couple times they got a little bit more aggressive, so it looked like they were actually driving into each other. So that did make for a little bit better shot, and it it was. It was just that little pre-rut scuffle, just wasn't really even to the point i don't think in in my opinion mike you can let me know if you agree or not but i don't even think it was to the point where they were establishing any kind of pecking order it was just you know we're just kind of knocking horns and that was it at that time
2: yep that's exactly what happened and you know we found those guys because we neither one of us had really been up there this year just to check out where you know where's the elk at where are the deer at what's else is going on what's some of the the haunts where you can find some of the places and we drove around a lot for the first day probably the first day the whole day we drove around whole day. Like, oh i yeah. know this spot let's go over here let's go to here let's you know we tried a bunch of different places and it was super foggy if you got too high too much elevation so even if you did find an elk which we did i mean you're just like shooting through really dense fog and if there's a bunch of trees behind you know you just don't get that silhouette stuff, you just get kind of ugly stuff, so...
0: It wasn't close enough, so it was too far off in the fog. Like, if it was close, it would be cool, right?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a little too I, far, and you just couldn't... You couldn't approach, and it was just one of those deals where we ended up putting on a lot of miles just to try to find where's the group of elk that we can work and actually get some shots.
0: That's something about effort, because you've been... You've grown up in this area. You've been there so many times. It still takes time and effort to know where they are yeah for sure in the old days we
2: used to you know i would be up there from august till till now you know and you would kind of know oh hey this bull hangs out here or these bulls hang out here They're, there's usually a, a herd bull with cows over here and and then you end up you can choose based on what you want for a background do you want lots of grass and trees or do you want them in the trees or do you want them next to a lake or you know you just got to check out all the different spots and so we spent it a full day rocks would be cool
0: rocks rocks and trees yeah so you're shooting with the red are you shooting video and then ron's using the two to five handheld and
1: getting that's pretty much that way. what we did yeah
2: although I-, I shot stills more you know because that's the other thing too is when you don't know where stuff's at, and I don't have time to sure. set up, it's like okay, I'm going to be ready for stills first. If the situation lasts, then I had Got the it. red camera set up so that I, if it was going to last, I could do it. So I ended up as the trip went on, I shot more sure. and more and more video as opposed to stills. But it was super fun to shoot stills just because I never do anymore, and um, you know I'm always looking for pictures to put on Instagram, and it's like ah, I kind of need a new picture, so
0: it was good. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I empathize with that because in Alaska, I started shooting some video playing with the 850 shooting 4k. And it takes patience, man. I love to blast away on the stills. I am so mobile with the trees in the way The any I can just pivot this way or that and frame up a picture instantly with the zoom when I'm shooting stills. But when I put it on the tripod, and it's manual focus, and <laughs> just uh, It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm showing some love here, man. It's an art. It takes more patience. And, and most of the time I'm set up, it didn't happen. Right. And I know what's, what there's just a tug of war in my heart is I would have got some great stills out of those times that I was farting around trying to get video. We had these two caribou. I was going to get the video because my buddy, Mike needed a caribou in velvet and green. And it was that day we had that. I set up the camera, and the caribou was about 80 yards away and ran straight toward me without (laughs) any warning. Still, it it was one of those moments where a fly bugged the caribou. And for those people that know caribou, that happens. When a fly gets near their head, they just run in any random direction because they hate it when the flies go up their nose. That's a whole other biological story. But he came right toward me, leaping through the green tundra and... It would have been wonderful still photos. And, it, and But I got nothing because I was in video mode and I was trying to do manual focus and no, I, nothing. I barely hit record. So I also I want to throw something else out there. There's something that's been bugging me, and we'll get right back to your story because I want to hear more about what happened, of course. That's what this podcast is. But, you know, in the vocabulary of what I do, I pride myself on being a writer and coming up with intelligent things to say or to write at times. And I've been using the word epic way (laughs) too much with this fun podcast and vlogs. So I refrain from swearing on the podcast because all my friends know that I never swear, but (laughs) for at least one chuckle in the background. Okay. Thank you. So I'm going to start a swear jar. if, If I say the word epic, Something bad. Oh, gonna good. I gotta put some money towards something. I, so we is need, that gonna be our I, pizza fund when we epic. go out? It's gotta be our pizza fund. I was thinking it might oh, be part yeah, of the edit fund. fund.
1: Yeah. If I oh yeah, you know there you go.
0: The, the Tyler the Tyler vlog creation fund, where if I say epic, boom. I don't know, there's gotta be some money put away for correcting that. At least for a while. We got it. we have to have a month or two off of the word epic. I, that's the last time I'm <laughs> going to say it, EPIC. All right, guys. So, <laughs> sorry for the interruption. But, yeah, I, I, I really do, after playing with it, and I, when editing those videos that I did take on that trip, I loved the result of the 4K, but so little of it turned out. But when it did, it was fantastic. But the patience it requires, man, I, I feel it for you. Doing it all the time... Be tough because you just know in oh, stills yeah, you would have for
2: sure. There's so right. many situations where it's like, but thing times are changing, right? So video is so much more important. So you just got to stick with it, and you just got to find those scenarios and find those situations. And that's why I, I started with leaving the still body and one lens set up for stills that I can go too fast, and then if the situation lasts. Then I'll go back and pull out the tripod and set up the camera and and do that thing. So as we move through this story, I think there's there's so many opportunities for me to use the the video camera. As it turned out, so in the beginning it was all stills, and then we moved to video. But so after the deer run, what did we do? I I'm glad you wrote this down because I don't remember exactly.
1: Well, that was that was kind of the end of the first night, and and actually. Um, We ended up on the deer again on, on our way out. And I kind of broke off. There was a bull, there was a bull that was bedded in this, it was about not maybe 600 yards from where the deer were at. So I kind of broke off because he was, he was bedded, but he was bugling out in the bed. So I wanted to take advantage of that opportunity. And so...
0: I've, I've I've heard of that happening, bugling <laughs> in the bed. Sorry, <laughs> it's all part of our wild and exposed. All right, guys. Right. All right.
1: I wish everybody could see the look on your face because I think you had a totally different scenario in your mind. <laughs> 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 and so I broke off, and the the only problem was is the the light was waning, and it was dead. So I mean, even at 2,000 ISO, I was only at about one eightieth or one one hundredth of a second. So I had to time it, basically, as he laid his head back. Because when a bull bugles, there's there's some motion at the beginning of it, especially when they're in a fixed position like he was. He was bedded down. So you could tell. He started to throw his head back. And then when I, they kind of get that head back and start to bugle, and you know that head's not going to move anymore, when your shutter's that slow, that's when you've got to take the shot. So you got to wait till you know you got open mouth head back antlers are back and he's in that full bugle and then you can catch the image. And I was I pinned myself against a tree trying to be as still as possible because I was hand holding it that you know that slow and the vibration reduction in that lens is is such that that can be done but you still have to time the motion. Otherwise you're just going to get a a blurry head nod.
0: That's a great so. great piece of advice. That's true. I, I, I can well, visualize that. Well, the thing that, is we're shooting on it. the east side of the yeah, Rockies, I think right?
2: So you have the sun go behind the mountains yeah. and you still have, if you're on the west side of the Rockies, you still got another hour to shoot. But where we're at, it gets darker so much faster. So that was what he was
0: dealing with. And
2: I, I find that that lens
0: know, is, is really good for that. Even a slow shutter, if you have a bit of an anchor and you take, you know, six frames, half of them yeah. should be sharp but you but i like i really do like your piece of advice that the head does move so when the animals do this and then it stops when they're in in their actual bugle right it's it's timing that and that's that's a good observation for behavior to get the shot versus just that first second wasting frames on that wouldn't make sense at that slope so that's great
1: yeah and mike and i talked when we got back that evening i he asked if I was going to back up, and I said, "You know, I really didn't get anything that I wouldn't mind losing <laughs> that first day." But I, I did. When I looked back, there was one shot of the bigger mule deer buck, and he he was respectable, respectable deer. And he kind of gave me one look back over his shoulder, and I put that one up on Instagram. But it it was a decent shot. It was a good, good overall scene. I'd say.
0: I commented on that one. Yeah, you you did. I like that shot. I love the habitat. Yeah. I love where that deer is, is is great Rocky Mountain habitat. Yeah. It's just the right mix of openness and forest and the look back. Yeah. Yeah, Winner, winner. In
1: my mind, I didn't really remember that until I saw the image again when I was, when I downloaded them the next day. The
2: exciting thing is, is there's more deer there. It's the population has been down for so long that you just would go up there and just not even think about shooting a deer. But now the population, now I haven't been there in the last couple of years. I've just skipped it altogether because we've been busy doing other things. But it's kind of cool because so many of the deer pictures that I get are from another spot that everybody generally knows. And it's not quite as cool. It's not in the mountains. So it gives another opportunity to go to another place and hopefully get some, some decent bucks that actually have some size
0: to them that's cool when the populations rebound like that and shift in these places and you get surprises pleasant surprises and see the animals back like that again yep. and we saw several
2: groups so it's not just like there was just one group of bucks that we're excited about we probably saw four or five different groups of four or five bucks in different so as the rec comes on it's going to be a good time good place to to spend some time
0: And i, I want to just interject and say another thing quickly is that You know there are podcasts and and our loyal listeners will know this i mean there are podcasts that we do talk about our destination because it's remote it's an effort to get there and so on but there are also podcasts where we don't give our exact location where we've been filming just out of respect of the locals and not wanting a whole lot of people to show up to this location so we do not divulge the exact location as much as we'd like to just due to the masses of people around that waste. But we love, love to share, we share everything we can with you as far as um, strategy and technique and often location, but not always, just to highlight that. So day two, what happened, or is there still more, your day one was over, you got the really nice mule deer shot that was up on your Instagram,
1: Ron. Yep. And yeah, day two, uh, we had a much better day. Started off, you know, right right after we arrived and we had consolidated, we were spreading out the first day to try to, you know, see what kind of situation we could find. Um, we consolidated, went in one vehicle for the rest of the trip. And, um, the second day, uh, got a, a, you know, a good lead on a, on a bull and we were able to get them located and the situation from there. I mean, it was, you know, one of the things that I'd I wanted to talk about is which way do you go? Because the the scenario was there, you know, it's, it's a waning rut. It's definitely, you know, working toward the end of the rut. So the bulls aren't as active, but they've got cows and larger groups of cows actually than I've ever seen up there that I remember seeing. There were two groups of at least, well, this one had 28 mature cows and then some younger ones and, and calves and one bull. So when you get that kind of situation, the cows kind of want to spread out and want to do their own thing. We had the good fortune of having an overcast morning. You know, I say good fortune because we could shoot longer. We could stay in that situation longer. Uh, But the other thing is, is you don't have to be concerned about making sure that you come from the direction of the light. Now you can read the animal's behavior and these cows all wanted to go in one direction. And so that's, you know, that's kind of how we made the decision about where we were going to set up and got around to where the cows kept wanting to go, knowing full well that, you know, the bull's going to break away and try to get them grouped back up. So we're going to get opportunities to photograph the bull as, as you know, those behaviors kind of transpire. So we positioned ourselves kind of to the what ended up being to the east, and that's the direction these cows wanted to go toward this big group of trees so that's where we, that's where we positioned in the trees. And, and sure enough, they kept trying to come our way and the bull would come and gather them. And, you know, he'd get on a bull trying to find, or get on a cow, excuse me, trying to find a hot cow. So he was sniffing and we didn't really, that I remember, I don't think we got any Fleming response or lip curl the first day, but we did get that later on, but he would sniff and then he'd kind of get, He'd nudge the cows as they started to bed down. He'd nudge them out of bed. We did get some, you know, one bugle right in my face. Uh, he kind was, of
0: that's rude.
1: circled these cows and, and came back, and he's looking right at me, and, cool. you know, he let one rip. It, it was pretty close. I didn't approach him. He had approached or moved toward me, and so it just, you know, it made for a great shot, one of those that you hope for but don't always get.
0: I also like your description of of knowing enough with the animal behavior that as the cows move along, the herd bull will come around and circle them to contain them. And I always watch for that because aside from the bugling images, some of my favorite images are when that bull rounds the cows, his heads tipped back. And for those people who love to photograph big antlered animals, that just, (laughs) I want to say epic. (laughs) That's That's one in the jar. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of them. so when they tip their head back and they come around it could even be one female or the group of females but that's the shot that i am looking for aside from the bugle or the lip curling the fleming response when they round those pictures you know, if you time it with a front leg up and the head back and the antlers back well and it's not it's amazing
2: it's that whole yes it's the head's back He's coming around. The position's just right, and then it's the eyeball too, right? Because you get this—it's the eyeball that's yeah, that's right. The, oh yeah. You can you just get the cow. roll. He's—it's eye communication with these and these cows. know if he's in that position, that means they need to go the other way, and it's a—it's just a cool situation. And yeah. you always want to predict that as much as you can.
0: Yeah, for photos. Yeah, and they do. They don't want the business end of the antlers, so they go the other way. That's. All part of the rut, but yeah. Exactly. And the I call That's, it the stink yeah, eye because sure. he's giving him
2: like that. It's just a cool picture. We'll put some examples up on the, the page so you, people can see what we're talking about. But Yeah, so we hung with that herd Absolutely. for, man, the whole morning, I think, because we had kind of overcast. Well, it was kind of sunny, overcast. It would come and go, and, you know, eventually you find these patterns, right? So you figure out that, okay, they're going to go from... Sunrise till about nine, and then they all lay down and then it 's either do you leave and go find something else or do you just sit down yourself and just wait for it to to come alive again and it's they need time to sit there and chew their cud and and take care of everything that they 've just eaten and then there's a few that doze off, and then sooner or later, two or three hours later, a up, and a cow gets up and then another cow gets up and then another cow gets up, and then the bull gets up and so then you're back into it. And the cool thing about the situation we had and the way we went is we did have a lot of fall foliage in the background. So that was kind of cool, too, because when they got it the yeah. second time, then we were able to get them mixed in with the fall colors of the aspen. And it was pretty awesome. But
0: by this time, I had pulled the video camera out. Is that so today's post, Ron, with the, the female elk and the and the autumn colors, is that yep. when this was taken on your Instagram? Yeah actually it was yeah that was fantastic color beautiful
1: yeah and they the cows that's kind of seemed to be where they wanted to bed down so they kept moving toward toward the aspens and he initially he was kind of bringing them all back out but he finally kind of let them go mill around in in the middle of this aspen patch and it made for some fantastic opportunities when they were kind of roaming around inside this aspen patch and uh right after mike made the switch from stills to video because it was it was it was just getting real good again they had bedded and they were back up just like he was just talking about this bull went back in the trees there were some cows that had gone you know quite a ways back and he went further back than what we could see and i saw a cow kind of coming up there was just this hole in the aspen so it was a nice natural frame there were some rocks and and just a good scene so this cow and calf started coming back up this trail right toward me and so i kind of got in position where i could where i could catch them and all of a sudden i saw antler tips behind them and sure enough the bull kind of circled around her followed the same trail up so he's he's in that color as well and there was some good images that came out of that Uh, the unfortunate thing is For Mike to have gotten it on video. No, therein lies the the problem
2: that Mark just described. It's once you're committed to a spot with video and you've got your tripod leveled and you're... It's not like you can shift over five feet. And if you've got something happening that's going to last 10 seconds, there's no way you're getting that shot. So do you move and try to get it or do you just stay where you're at and hope that it happens somewhere else? And it's that whole thing you talked about earlier. You just... Once you're shooting video, you just pretty much got to commit to a spot and try to pick your spot that allows you to shoot in many different areas, but don't move around too much because you'll spend more time moving and more time missing shots.
0: Would it be too much to sling your still camera over your back for those moments and then hop off and come back to video, or it's just messing no, around? No, I it?
2: used to do that Not all too the much time. That way if, but i Right. Yeah, that's a huge temptation. That'd be my temptation. But it, then it's—I've even gotten away from. You know, you see a lot of guys out in the field that'll carry their big lens. Well, some still carry it on a tripod, and then they've got their eighty to two hundred slung around over their shoulder. And I used to do that, and then it just got to the point where you're dealing with this camera that's constantly flopping around. And mm-hmm. you know, I—I I okay. just leave it where I just have one camera and one body, and that's what I go with. It would be super cool to have two. I love it when there's the situation going on where it's next to a road. Where I have that next to me, and I guess you know I've done it before. Right. Where we you go do off, it out. when we go up to the doll sheep, where I'll take stills and video. It just depends on the situation,
0: right? But I mean, either way, it's hard. It's hard to win it all of it, right? So if you switch to stills, if you just stay in the video mode. You're going to sacrifice the stills for the day, but you will get more video yeah, exactly. than if you're jumping back and yep. forth, probably.
2: And and he was having such cool behavior, you know. It's just there was so much going on that, you know, it's hard to show exactly what you explained earlier. When the when the bull is rounding up the cows, you can get stills. And if you've been around elk before, you know exactly that look in a still image. But if you've never seen it before... Actually, shooting it with video gives you that whole picture, right? So you get to see the cow's reaction to the bull's movements, to the bull's posture, to all that stuff comes together in the video, and you tell that whole story. So I was able to do that with with video. Yeah, how awesome is that?
0: So there's the win. I mean, we get the still photos, mm-hmm. which we love to do, but it, it, you know, it is a better presentation to have that whole video of that behavior. If you can nail it down and get it properly. And the cool thing about video
2: is you don't have to ha- get it all in one shot, right? So you can, you can get the bull moving okay, on one sure. clip and then the next clip you can focus on the cow to see her reaction. And then that next clip you could shoot their feet or you can, you can just start getting a little, all these little elements that tell that story. And when you edit it together, it's that
0: whole picture of what happened, which is kind of cool. Dude, you must be a pro that's great no because it was a great add-on because you know i'm just visualizing the one sweeping video as he rounds the cows but when you think about it and you create all those snippets and make that presentation of blending those together
2: it makes for a lot better story i mean a lot more elements that you put together but there's a lot more work and then you have to be in that situation where you know it's going to happen over and over and over and over and you just shoot those elements.
0: Right. Or you like the the hooves moving. I mean, as long as the light's the same, you could do that yeah. five minutes later after he's rounded the cow.
2: Yeah, and you watch any wildlife documentary out there and that's exactly how they're putting it together. And a lot of times it's not even the same lion or the same bull or the same... They're very similar looking and you're, most people are never going to pick up that it's not even the same animal, but it's little bits and pieces of each behavior and you put it all together and then
0: it's that whole story right that's fun yeah and with the vlogs we've been i've i mean it's been fun just doing it that way telling the story of where we're going i'm learning that you know and that's a videographer it's that's that's part of the skill set training to know to right. shoot all those different components so yeah i could i could go on but i'm not going to so what's when what's next
1: after they had moved into the trees they kind of bedded and the light got a little bit harsh that's when the the one time when the clouds really broke, the light got a little bit harsh, so we kind of left them for a while and went looking for a different opportunity.
0: Something that happened on this trip went kind of viral, didn't it, from what you guys shot? Now I'm just going to leave it there because we may not be at it, and I don't want to let any cat out of the bag, wasn't there?
1: No, it, it was later. Yeah, it was.
0: All right, I'll. The I'll next yeah. day. Okay, sorry, people. Just wait. Wait for the next uh-huh. day. Okay. <laughs>
1: All right. So um, we did come back to, oh, left out the, the best part from that first morning. When we first got on these elk, there was also some mule deer that were kind of back, you know, behind this group of trees. And the mule deer all of a sudden started getting real active. And they initially we thought, you know, they were just kind of playing around up there. And then all of a sudden mule deer blew out of pockets that we didn't even know there were pockets. And they were running right at. There us. There was probably twenty,
2: right? I mean, there well, was deer coming out of everywhere. It was just there, crazy. There
1: was a ton of deer. I mean, we saw—I think we saw like four deer—and then all of a sudden, when this explosion happened, there were there were there were deer everywhere, and and these does, and maybe a fawn or two, came running right at us. And the, you know, your first thought when something like that happens is, "Crap, I'm going to get a mountain lion," right? because something's causing them to run. I got excited again, and my voice cracked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell back. we
0: love we love what we do if our voice cracks when uh, when we're talking about it. Yeah. All right.
1: So, I'm looking for this big sweeping mountain lion tail and we see these two smaller objects coming and if, at first I thought they were fawns and it ended up being two coyotes that had all these deer on the run. They came and I don't know If it was us that caused them to put the brakes on or as this all happened, the elk gathered up in this real tight unit. You know, you see this happen with African predators all the time. The herds will really tighten up and the bull moved out in front of the cows. And my only uh, the only bad part about this scenario is I I had the two to five on and I couldn't get wide enough to get the whole because they were the cows were all locked on. The bull was out in front of him. He was locked on and just couldn't get them all in the frame. But the two coyotes came down and I don't know if it was the elk or or whether they saw us. I'm sure they saw us because I spun pretty quick to try to get in position to photograph them. And one coyote uh, was about 20 yards from me where he finally ended up stopping. And he, you know, kind of head up, good posture, the light was good on them. And so got a couple good images of the coyote. And then just as quick, they turned and kind of wheeled and ran away. And I don't know, Mike, you were in a little bit better position or we kind of had different angles on it. But I, I think you probably had a better look at it No, the, I think I was a little bit further
2: away from the coyotes. But the coolest thing about the whole situation was is you see those deer run through. But the way the elk reacted was pretty awesome because it was like, okay, let's yeah. bunch up. And that bull just kind of pranced right up to the front and just got in front of all those cows and said, okay, come on, coyotes, I'll take you on. And he was just—he there to protect those cows, yeah. and it was, it was pretty amazing. It was just quite the I, – I don't think I got anything cool because I was in the same boat you were with too big of a lens to, to show the whole thing, but it was, it was a pretty, pretty neat natural
0: defense mechanism.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. something to witness, totally unexpected. Yeah, it was. That's what happens when you get out there and explore was, and have fun adventures. Yeah, and
2: I was totally expecting what Ron saw too. I thought it was going to be a mountain lion for sure, but it was just a couple of coyotes. But I'm sure they wreak havoc on a bunch of those calves and a bunch of those fawns. So, and the it was a flight or yeah, fight. Sure. It wasn't fight at all for the the deer, was mm-hmm. just flight. And with the elk, it was fight.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was pretty cool. yeah.
1: Yeah, oh, two totally different epic. responses. It was. There's two. Congratulations, <laughs> Tyler. You just got a raise.
2: <laughs> so then what did I we do that afternoon? That. I don't even remember. Yeah, so that that was... we went up to look around the lakes. We'd heard tale of some moose in an area and I've got yeah. a really good story about that later on, but I think we went up and started looking for moose. Yeah, we did. Oh, and that's when we did the podcast with Jason. Yeah, so we took the afternoon and spent a little time and talked with Jason, which is the podcast previous to this one, so everybody should have heard a pretty awesome photographer out of Utah that we met up with. And he's actually the guy who gave us the tip on this bull. This bull that we were shooting wasn't the best bull in the area. We had seen some pictures of this really spectacular, long-time bull, and just he wasn't super wide, but he was just
1: yeah. really
2: cool. And And there's a couple of pictures I saw that you... Had commented on one mark that another guy shot. It's unbelievable that picture where he's in the black.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah the that light is an was an just amazing. amazing That's
2: all, that reminds yeah. me of the picture you got on the cover of Field and Stream. This last issue was, you know, it's just that moment where you got that perfect moment. He got that perfect moment with just the right amount of light hitting that elk and just lighting up certain little aspects of that elk. I don't know. We could probably reach out to the guy to see if we could. Or we could at least link to that picture in the podcast
0: notes because it's such a spectacular elk picture. Yeah. someday, someday yeah. we'll I, have. I've him never met against. him. I I, I, I could, I could see that happening. I haven't either, but I think yeah, that he's a good he is. friend of Jason's.
1: Yeah, he is a good friend of Jason's, and, and Jason and, actually, yeah, he gave us his name, and they they shoot together quite a bit. It was, I mean, they both did great jobs catching different aspects of their encounters with that giant bull you know we were unfortunately we didn't find him saw an image later that said hey he's still around but you know we didn't see him in our visit uh but yeah those guys got some spectacular images they both of them in their different rights
0: you know and that's part of what what we do when we go to places like this right i I mean you never know it's wildlife you never know if you're gonna find them Yep. first and foremost whether the weather will cooperate if anything will come together but if you'll find animals and you may see animals on social media where some people as i've thanked them in the past put the right. location and you know that they're in there but yeah it's you you can't guarantee it by any means but if you don't go you're not going to get it for sure Absolutely. and when you d- yep. when you do go you almost Always. I mean you can get shut down. You can get by weather, you can get skunked by the animals, but most often something happens. Something cool or magical like your like your coyote almost mountain lion story. And just <laughs> and seeing the elk response and and what's coming up in the next day. I mean these things happen by being there. So making the effort is you want to yeah, well, something, Mike? And,
2: and you don't I think I've used this before on the podcast. You don't leave fish to find fish. You don't leave elk to find elk. You know, we had found this bull. He had good, it was a good place to shoot. We weren't having a lot of uh, other people to deal with or anything. It was just basically us. And he was a decent bull. He wasn't the biggest one in the area, but he was a good bull and he was giving us good behavior. So it just seemed like let's just stick with this guy and, so um, we were hoping there was a lot of bugling going on, and you're like, "Ah, oh, that bull doesn't sound too far away." And Ron, I've anytime I was next to Ron, he's like, "Ah, oh, that bull's only 200 yards away," or "That bull's only 300 yards away." And you don't know how far <laughs> they are, right? But we were constantly hoping that right. there would be some interaction because if anybody knows anything about elk, you'll have oftentimes a big bull, a big herd. And then they'll have what they call satellite bulls around that big herd that aren't big enough to have a herd of their own, but they oftentimes are pestering that big bull. And what happens with that situation is you get so much more behavior. So you'll get that big bull running the little bulls off just to protect his, you know, he wants to spread his genes. He wants his gene pool to be part of it. So he's going to chase off any other bull that's there. And we never had another bull show up the whole time we were on this, this one bull. So he actually had the spot, too, that was pretty comfortable for him because we went back there, what, two, three times, and he was there every time. So it's one of those situations yeah. where not everything came together, but we, what did come together was great. We got some awesome stuff. We had the fall color. We had some mm-hmm. snow. We had yeah, some good. the herding stuff. We had some deer moving through. We stayed with that bull. I guess we can move on to the next day because I don't think we did anything other than that podcast and then it got pretty dark pretty fast because the clouds did move in, right? So then that next day, uh, yeah, we actually had snow. So And a yeah, lot of I mean, snow. And for this time of year, well, we had like two or three... In the air. Two or
0: three inches.
1: Yeah, two or three inches and on there the ground. a lot of morning.
0: snowflakes. Like, I mean, it was very active. It wasn't just like a flurry here or there. Yeah, and like-
1: that, that was... Um, that afternoon actually later that afternoon it got it got pretty heavy um and yeah like the big spring flakes almost that afternoon but that morning the the snow was on the ground and i have a co-worker that i need to call out because the the comment was oh those pretty white (laughs) flowers
2: daisies
1: (laughs) you know snow just covered everything covered the the rabbit brush with salt sage and awesome. and uh, cover the grass and
0: what about with the color I mean snow when you have those colorful aspens it just pops up much more I mean to be able to get in a matter of a few days these different weather scenarios is kind of ideal because you're telling a story through the different seasons in a short period of time
2: well as a photographer a videographer you want that different stuff right you want different situations all the time and it was perfect for us because every day it was something different
1: just a little bit different and yeah even morning to afternoon it was different enough that it made for a good variety but yeah the the behavior when the snow flew and i don't you know i doubt it was the first snow that those calves had seen but that was the the fun part that morning and again slower shutter speed. So it was tough to get the motion, but there was a couple calves that just decided it was, it was go time and they were playing, they were up on the back feet, you know, taking swipes at each other and running each other around. And it was just kind of fun to watch. Uh, I'm sure you got some of that yeah. on video, I right? I hope, um, because the images were Oh, they, they weren't the best. It was good behavior, but not really enough light to freeze motion completely.
0: So this is like the the elk calves' first snowball fight of the year equivalent, right? Yeah.
1: It, yeah, that's, that's what it seemed like. I mean, they were ready to go. I
0: can't wait
2: yeah. for the first snowball fight of the year, yeah. I did wake up and threw a snowball, my first snowball of the year, when I went out to the truck and was wiping off snow off the windshield little funny story about that and so earlier when we were talking about what pro tip we were going to put out i said let's talk about earplugs <laughs> and then ron knows what i'm talking about but you have no clue so no i'm like what's the pro tip with the earplugs so, i don't know that come on apparently somebody snores and ron and i had decided to share a hotel room just to cut the costs, you know so we got this hotel room and it was chilly, you know, it was kind of snowing outside. and well, You know what, guys, when the door is closed and it's dark and it's just a light on outside the room. No, you need to hear this. It's so funny because I wake up at like 1 a.m. I wake up and Ron's going outside and I'm like, what in the hell is this guy doing? Where is he going? And I, I kind of wake up and I'm half asleep. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, <laughs> I'm going to go sleep in the car. I'm like, you're going to go sleep in the car. (laughs) And then, of course, I felt really bad because it it must have been my snoring that was keeping him up. But, you know, when I go like crazy and you're up early and you go all day and you're just totally worn out, I've been told that I snore quite a bit in those situations. So um, he even had earplugs and they celebrating apparently didn't work <laughs> but we also had people above us that were making a ton of noise too so he put some of the blame on them i don't think it was them at all i think it was all me but ron ended up sleeping in the car all night but he, he came prepared he came with the bedding <laughs> oh, wow. in the back of his car so it was comfy and he had a sleeping bag so i don't think he froze his butt off or anything about six o'clock that morning
1: he, no, came. It was pretty he had to get
2: out of the car in the cold okay. and come to the the room homes. to get his clothes and stuff but
0: all right yeah so so this is a special episode of Wild yeah, Wild a while because tip. you get two pro tips right out of the gate this is a pro i'm gonna tip.
1: throw in a third for the price of two be the first <laughs> one to get to sleep that
0: <laughs>
1: if, if you're sharing a room
2: and with me i can fall asleep on a rock so it doesn't really you're gonna have to
0: go to bed way ahead of me yeah, somehow you gotta say, "Hey, Mike, you need to go have a shower," you know, and then just quickly hit the pillow and right, right. Lights But up. yeah, lights out. But earplugs, yeah. In the spring, I mean, we had earplugs in the Northern Rockies, right? Yeah. That we yeah. we used. I always carry a couple of earplug sets. Just and I
2: don't because I can sleep through anything. So I'm like, well, I don't understand what's going well, on, but I felt you. really really bad. So anyway, we got up that next morning and that, there was a ton of snow. Not a ton, but for that time of year, it was great. We were excited because you, you want to get out there and try to see what you can yep. find. And, and is that the day, Ron, where we went back to the same bull? You don't leave fish to find fish. We went back to him. And then is that the day where we got up on the yep. hill with him?
1: Uh, no, that was the I next day.
0: It all straight. So Perhaps is this the day that the, somebody shot the video that I was referring to?
1: Yeah, later that afternoon. Yes. Okay. All right.
0: We're getting there, people. We're, We're getting, getting to there. this. This is a good story. I like it. I like what's unfolding here for the adventure, not just the photography adventure, but what you guys are going through together, and the fact that you're still smiling, your buddies.
2: Well, it would, I, th- I don't think it would have happened if you wouldn't have had a car to go to. I could have been like totally removed <laughs> from the situation, you know. I, and I guess the last thing on this is, I used to go to Alaska with a buddy of mine, who can't. I mean if there's like a mouse making too much noise this guy can't sleep so if we would share a hotel room i would wake up to pillows being thrown at me or he'd be standing over with me beating me with a pillow and i figured fully intended i'd be snuffed out at some point but that never happened we actually figured it out over time and got different hotel rooms or we slept in different tents or
0: whatever but um that's a yeah that's, a, that's a, I'm I'm glad you didn't get snuffed out, but I do have one rule. I you know I travel with friends often, and one rule is with other yeah, men. know that. No pillow fight games.
2: Well, yeah,
0: no, exactly. no.
2: But it is the one thing that'll wake me up. All I have I, to I, do I, is turn over, and I'll. I usually sure. Usually <laughs> I think I quit snoring, but I don't know. I don't think I even snore because I've never heard it.
0: Yeah, nobody hears it. Right. Hears themselves, right? Yeah, Unless well. they wake up. Yeah. yeah.
1: No. <laughs> challenge accepted there'll be video evidence
2: (laughs) so anyway that last day so this would have been monday then right because we went up saturday sunday and monday so let's just move on to monday because monday was kind of an exciting day
1: it was a great day yep and actually i will go back to saturday night on the way back down so we you know you've been looking for the the big rut craze areas that's what you want because you got multiple bulls a lot of cows things are moving all over the place, you know, like Mike described. And we found it. It was at dark or a little bit after dark. We found a group of, uh, I have no idea how many elk there were. There was probably 150 at least, you know, spread out in this drainage and just listened. And it was just fun to listen because it's just nonstop. When you get in that kind of, I call it a rut frenzy. Some guys call it a rut ball or you know, whatever your descriptor is, you get in this rut frenzy and it's just, there's never not an elk vocalization being let out. It's just one after the other, after another. And so we did find it that night and we kind of talked about, you know, the debate was, do we go back to the big bull or do we kind of stay here and see what we can find, come back to this area. And the next morning we decided first thing to go back to, the bigger bull in that different scenario. They kind of moved away and, and went in the opposite direction where the, the big aspen patch was, but they moved into some different habitat. And and that day we did, we stayed with them all day long. They bedded down once we were talking and you know, the girls like Mike. So even, you know, after we got all this, the calves playing and that kind of behavior and the, the bull chasing the cows, gathering them back up. They kind of started migrating back up this hill, so we went up the hill, and Mike popped up over the top and found a, a pretty nice little mule deer, real unique looking deer, non-typical, tight kind of basket. But he he popped up and was was on the run, and so we spent a little bit of time trying to get some images of him. And Mike ended up getting some video of another another buck up on that ridge, and then we you know we saw the elk were on the same level we were on now, and so we kind of made our way back in and. There was a cow where we can put the clip up. This cow came right to us and she was kind of posing for Mike and kind of gave him over the right shoulder, back over the left shoulder, walked right to him. I think the video is about a minute long, but yeah, she just kind of, whatever Mike (laughs) wanted, Mike got.
2: Yeah, and at this point, I'm not (laughs) shooting the red because it's snowing, right? So I have the still camera that'll shoot video. So I packed the tripod And then i thought well i'll just shoot video with this still body the problem with the red is is when it's snowing there's a vent on the top that sucks air in and then it pushes it out the bottom so if it's snowing unless you have something to cover that camera then you run the risk of getting a bunch of water in the camera so rather than try to figure that out and deal with all that i just left it and then went up and shot all the video
0: which, which camera
2: body were you using? So I for used the 1DX, 1D the Canon here. 1DX Mark II, and it has pretty decent 4K footage. And then the coolest thing about that is you can be really lazy because it's got autofocus. And it's the tap screen kind of deal. So you, the problem is with wildlife, it's very hard sometimes for it to find an edge. So a lot of times you'll say, Oh, focus here, and you tap on it. And if there's no distinct edge, if the, everything's brown or if everything's white, you still end up doing a little bit of manual focus but at this point i was shooting video with the with the still body
0: how how often in that scenario do you use manual focus on the canon body versus autofocus given the complexity of or the the challenge of of finding an edge do you still do you choose to do manual or do you try the auto first
2: i try auto because i don't have a diopter on the back of the still body so a lot of times for me to see focus critical focus i just don't get it when i'm shooting the red i have a eyepiece with a diopter in it so i can really magnify in on whatever i want to focus on and and then a lot of this stuff is you use that camera so much you just get a feel for it right i have the feel for the red i know it's all manual focus i know there's no cheating with autofocus i just have to do it and i have to nail it with the with the steel body a lot of times I'll cheat and I'll say, okay, I'm going to just do autofocus because it'll be so much easier. But I can't get that critical focus. So a lot of times it's all autofocus. And if an animal's close enough or if there's enough contrast, it's a piece of cake, slam dunk. But if you get in those non-contrasty type situations where if there's a lot of tall grass, um, if there's snow falling, you know with autofocus, snow is difficult. If you get those big fat flakes falling a lot of times it hits that and misses and so most of that was autofocus but it was pretty cool being up there with those elk at that time because these cows would just basically at this point they're so used to us they would just kind of surround us not necessarily surround us but they'd walk by us and there'd be three or four or five or ten cows on the behind us and there'd still be a group in front of us and then the bull would be somewhere and that's cool and that's exciting because you know that that bull at some point is going to come round up those cows so he's going to end up walking pretty close to you and go you know so you then at that point you're like oh I can get some tight face shots or I can really focus in on whatever it is whether it's the face or some group shot with if you know I had the two to four hundred on there too so if I could go out to 200 you could oftentimes get a couple of cows like you were saying earlier a couple of cows in the bull and you know, so you're just really working every every possible scenario that you can possibly work, and you know what's going to happen because we have elk all around.
0: Let me throw something out there for elk behavior. And with our telephotos, we can pull those shots in like you're talking about when an animal's close to get the tight shots. And they and they do come close at times, but you have to be careful <laughs> with elk, especially in some areas. So you have to watch. You have to watch your behavior. Be aware of where where the bull is at and. Keep it respectable distance. You can still be close enough with big telephotos or, or people who understand the elk's behavior, I should say, can still be close enough to get those tight shots. But it's always smart to keep a group of big trees around you if you're not by a vehicle or, or something else. A group of big trees. Just because another bull could come in, he could sneak into the herd quietly. He might not bugle on the way in. And this happens All the time, over your shoulder, all of a sudden, you know, 30 yards away, there's this bull coming in. His intention is to try and and interrupt the bull, that the herd bull that's got the cows. So he's coming in with lots of testosterone, looking for a fight. So you just have to stay on your toes and keep a group of trees or something around for security. Don't ever wander way out into an open space with rutting, antlered big animals.
2: That's a fact, and that is exactly, I mean, I say close, but close for us is... 75 yards right so if we've got big telephotos so you can actually zoom in at 75 yards and still get really cool stuff so we're still a distance away and we're maintaining that distance in most situations yeah common sense you definitely don't want to walk in amongst these and and in this particular area you the general rule is is these elk are pretty accustomed to people and they're not going to run you down but i know of those same areas that you're talking about where you don't do that you Really watch your bacon
0: because no it'll get you, cooked really fast. I I had one he was it was so rude. It was about eleven o'clock at night, pitch black, and I was just brushing my teeth by my tent and he wanted to take me out <laughs> in my campsite. So that's another story. But that was close. That was close. Yeah, I just looked did, over my shoulder and he was running.
1: We were under under a pretty large tree, so we did have some quote unquote yeah. escape cover.
2: And at this point it's cold. I mean, I'm wearing these little gloves that you, you wear in the fall. Right. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was definitely in the twenties Fahrenheit. So, you know, you got your hands in your pockets and it's a, it's a cold, cold scenario. Freezing. But it was awesome because we got a bunch of cool shots. We got all the (laughs) behavior. And then that's when we were hearing a bunch of the other bulls bugling around us. And Ron's like, "Ah, that bull is just right up at the top of the ridge. And we ended up taking a little hike to go find, try to find the other bull, because he did,
1: and he was right at the top of the ridge, (laughs) but he kind of ran us in a little bit of a circle, he was a really pretty
2: bull, nothing huge, um, but a nice, it would have been that satellite bull that we were talking about, but this bull that we were photographing, must, people, or the elk must know that he was a pretty mean bull, because uh, that's, yeah, he's an old badass, yeah,
1: yeah, there was that bull that we ended up finding, and then there was another one bugling, on a different ridge but neither one of them would approach i mean they they hung up a very respectable probably more, what, 200 yeah. yards out wow. and would yeah wouldn't go That's, any closer than that
0: you know what i've observed with satellite bulls often there'll be three or four and there's almost i know they haven't figured this out this way it's like a bunch of teenage dudes right they're all horny they're all excited as the rut and they want in on the action and it's like they decided okay <laughs> steve or whatever your name is Run in there, get the attention of the big guy, let him chase you off 50 yards, and then we'll go in and have some fun. And that happens. You see the one satellite bull gets too close. The big bull runs, might go 100 yards after this bull. As soon as that happens, the other little dudes are in there, like something on something. And they get action. It's been amazing. I've seen one, he'll run off a cow, and she'll stand for him, surprisingly, and within Thirty seconds—it's a done deal—and he's off and he's gone and he's (laughs) laughing as he runs up to the hilltop as the big guy comes back in. But that being said, the big guy—you know—obviously, due to his dominance and and success and physical prowess—does breed most of the cows. The dominant bull does. But it's entertaining to watch these shenanigans of these other young bulls when they do come in and break break up the cows a bit. So, was it snowing this whole time on this day, or did it let up, or how?
1: how That was off off and on i think it okay as the afternoon kind of wore on the the snow melted and we were we were on bare ground again up there but we it was still cold and we did have you know we still had good cloud cover so when we went after that other bull we kind of decided we just about had gotten everything that this other that this bigger bull with the harem had to offer us and so we were looking for a different scenario we did end up coming back down on him and pretty much in as surprising as it was the cows moved well away from us I mean they were tolerant all day but as soon as we left them and then came back they moved to a different location
2: that's when we hopped in the car and we headed out to this other group that yeah. we'd seen the night before and that's where all that bugling was going on where that chorus of just constant bugles and we ended up finding those guys. And that's when I think I got the coolest shot of the trip for me was you just had these monster big fat flakes. And it was the, it was the flurry kind of stuff. It, we were sitting there, no snow at all. And then all of a sudden this flurry moves in and it's just coming down. But we happened to be in a spot where there was tons of satellite bulls and they were all kind of like playing, sparring with each other. Sparring. Yeah. And so oh. we're just out there just... And that's when it gets really hard for the autofocus on these cameras when you got those big fat flakes and you got this sparring going on and it's super close. And, you know, we're, we're next to the vehicle, so we're not, it just happened to be in the right spot. And we just both are sticking out and I think I got the cool shot there.
0: You know, I, I, that's one of my favorite scenarios to photograph in, but it's so tricky. I switched to manual because you lose the eyes every time a snowflake goes in front. But something I've learned, too, is, is the snowflakes, these big flakes, when they're closer to the lens, create this big white blur across the animal. So I recommend when you have that situation to people, just fill your memory card. Shoot it like mad because it's amazing how often those flakes get in front of the eye, in front of the nose. You'll take 15 pictures and you'll get one that has the eye, clear and doesn't have a giant snowball like blurred white blotch in the front of a flake that was a foot from the camera right so you've got to shoot a ton with that much snow coming down but I what I've seen that you guys shown from that day was phenomenal
2: yeah it was it was the perfect storm it was close bulls we were close to the vehicle we had the snow we had them sparring and it was non-stop they probably sparred for 45 minutes there so you had plenty of opportunities and it was what you said only mine my ratio is not one to 15 it's one to like 150 because <laughs> it was snowing so hard that <laughs> i can't tell you how many have snowflakes in front of the eyes or you, you the other thing too is when these bulls are sparring they're constantly moving so that you know for a minute you'd just be sh- seeing one's butt and then you really i mean it's blocking everything else and then they move a little bit and then you okay that's the shot i want and then you go in close and then you try to shoot it wide and it was pretty pretty fun and we had a bunch of big bulls in that situation too but they were all pretty far off and we never even i don't even think we really got that many pictures of those guys but yeah
1: no there was one oh he was probably five 4 or 5 year old bull that's exactly what it was i mean as you described mark it was a it was a group of teenagers basically and there was one bull that was a little bit more mature and he was kind of running things off and we actually did get some images of him breeding a cow i think that was the only time in the whole trip that saw anything breeding because it, it was it was so late in the rut that most of that was probably done but it took him multiple attempts he was a gamer
0: Uh you know what okay i i want to keep well it's best to keep this g-rated in a funny way but elk elk have a tricky time you know i've seen i've seen a lot of mating in my days photographing these big antlered animals because it's the time of year we're out there you know moose normally line it up and moose are fast you know business is done thank you very much elk i've seen the biggest bulls With a cow in standing heat, and she stands there, and the bull will have to try eight times to line things up. And each time, he gets up, and she's like, okay, and no, it's not lined up. You can see her look over her shoulders, like, oh, take like four steps forward. Try again, boss. And it's just over and over. I I don't know. I've rarely seen elk actually this the satellite one i was referring to earlier he was fast that that time but you know it's common that they seem to have to try it is again and again maybe that's how maybe they're having fun but it just yeah it's
2: (laughs) no i i've experienced the same thing and you get in situations where the cows are like i've got pictures of cows like wooing the the bulls where they'll come up and rub their head on the bull and like yeah the time is right and these bulls have just such a hard time to figure it out and figure out what you know just the whole thing you just explained so so ron was actually planning on going home that afternoon because he had a four-hour drive ahead of him but it was so good that we just kept staying and before long it was pretty much dark when we called it quits right and so he had to drive all the way to wyoming in the dark which isn't that big of a deal? But you have tons, or, or face another night in the hotel, which he clearly didn't want to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, and actually, the storm kind of ended once I got off the mountain. So it, it was actually a pretty good drive home. But it, there was a good snow. It wasn't. It wasn't freezing temperatures at that time. It had warmed up a little bit actually in the evening. So it you know it was it was the perfect storm for sure and the audio I think the one that the video that you're referring to is we'll definitely put that in the show notes was uh of those smaller bulls sparring so Mike would shoot stills and I would video and then Mike would get some video I think and I would shoot some stills but it was just it went on for so long why that, not yeah yeah you might as well I loved keep it. shooting.
0: When I saw that, I was glued to it because of the snow, because of the sparring and the audio. Everything was working. And so that's what I was referring to because I saw it get reposted on other hubs. Everybody's loving this video of yours, Ron, that you put on Instagram.
1: Yeah.
2: It's amazing, too, because we did that with our cell phones.
1: Yeah, I did get some good traction. And yeah.
2: No. That's from your phone?
1: iPhone video.
2: I just had no idea that that audio of the clanking of the antlers would pick up that good, you know, because they're pretty, I don't know, wow. 25, 30 yards away. Again, we're standing on a road, so we're not, like, approaching these elk at all. They're just, we're there. We're standing right, right next to the vehicle, and he's shooting with his phone, and that audio is
0: incredible, right? Yeah, you, I never would have guessed that, you know. We do a lot on the phones, but in that situation, it never dawned on me. I figured that was off your DSLR. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very cool. In the show notes. It's going to be in the show notes. That video, right Ron, you'll put it there. Yeah, we'll put it there. Sure. Or or look on his Instagram. Well, we want people to see our website cuz then they'll see all the other content that they might have missed out on. Our other podcasts and but all the images and stuff that we've talked about in these on these podcasts. This one in specific, but see this video. But yes, it's on. Yeah. On his Instagram, too. We'll put other stuff up, too. Some (laughs) stuff that we didn't put up on his Instagram. And
2: then, so it's snowing. And then I was going to head out, too. I was just going to come back to Denver. But then I was, I'm thinking, oh, there's no way, no way at all (laughs) I can leave, especially when it's this good. So I ended up staying another night and um, went up the next morning and found those same bulls doing the same thing. Only it's not snowing, but the, the ground is completely white. And you just got these bulls, these little bulls. These aren't big bulls. These are just little bulls. But it's so cool to see the interaction. And you see the, you know, and they're doing it 20 yards off the road. And I got the video. At this time, I got the red out because I thought, well, if it's this close and there's this much cool stuff going on, and then I was able to shoot in slow motion. So when you get those clinking of the antlers and stuff in slow motion, it was, it was super cool. Do you know how you get... Um, People have probably seen it or have seen pictures of it or possibly even seen video. But a lot of times you'll get one bull who wants to send a message to the other bull and they flip their lip up and they'll push like air out. They'll have their teeth together and they're like, yes. you know, pushing all this saliva is out. And, you know, I got really close up stuff of that. And then it just, I'll put that up on the webpage too. So it's just pretty cool little interaction stuff that I was able to get. And then after that, was over i thought you know we've heard about all these moose i want to go up and see if i can find a moose right so i i went to the spot where i love moose we had heard about it and i walked around the lake and it's snow and it's cold and nothing and i went up to another spot where i knew a trail left from this parking lot and ended up at this lake so i thought well there's fresh snow on the ground. I'm going to walk. It's only a mile long trail. So I thought, I'm just going to walk this trail. And if I cut a set of moose tracks, at the end of those tracks, I'm going to find a moose, right? It was like to a mm-hmm. Within like a third of a mile, I cut these moose tracks. And that moose had stayed on the trail I was on because it was the easiest walking. Followed it to the end of the tracks, looked over to my right. And there's a cow moose standing there looking at me. So I kind of shimmied in there and snuck in there and I ended up being able to spend some time with a cow and a calf and a bull. Not a big bull, but it was just fun to be in there with. It's, I really haven't shot Shairus moose that much and that was a pretty fun little time to, to get in there. And, and then I had all the snow, but it's so difficult when you're dealing with white snow. And these shyris moose are so dark. They're almost black. In the If you look at the pictures, I've I've lightened them up a little bit just because that contrast had to you know to see any detail at all, you had to lighten it up a little bit. But it was pretty cool. I ended up staying there. Same thing as Ron and I had with the with the elk. You know they would go to sleep. You know they'd be active in the morning. Then they would lay down, and you you've got two or three hours where you're just going to sit there. So I just hung out and texted you guys is what I was doing. I was just sitting there looking at Instagram and I'm texting. I happened to be at a spot on the mountain where my phone actually worked. So it was kind of cool.
0: If you know, if you're in a situation like that, I mean, that's one of my favorite places to be. It's almost, I don't know if I can say this, but you know, it's after something exciting happens, you just want to sit back and take in the space nope. you're in. You get what I mean? Wink, wink. So, when this happens, you've had a photo shoot in a cool situation with these three moose, and they're bedded, and you have the privilege of just being there by yourself and sitting down, as long as you stay warm enough, and just chilling with them for a few hours in their wilderness home with them. I mean, I love that situation. And you wait, and yeah, with patience, you know, things pick up, and, and there'll be possibly more opportunities for more experiences and photographs or filming, but... That's some of my favorite time. It's just that downtime in between, you know, to, to look at the trees, to listen to the forest, to see other things, and and to watch the moose. You know how many other animals I've seen when I'm sitting with bedded animals and you watch them and their ears perk up and they stare off up on the other ridge and you know, there's a coyote walking along that my senses didn't pick up on. I love, you know, having other animals tutor me that way in, in the wilderness. But so I'm I'm envious of your situation. I think the one time I was with you, Mike we were up in that area and walked a little bit of that. Maybe I'm not sure that and that was beautiful country, very rugged up high.
2: Yeah, really rugged. And it is up high, and, and the way I solved the whole, um, exposure issue is there's no aperture priority or shutter priority. Cause if you're on white, it's totally going to mess you, you know, you can adjust for that, but then you're going to lose the moose. So I ended up finding a rock that was about mm-hmm. 18% gray. Metered off that and went completely manual. And then, of course, you're nailing the exposure perfectly, because the light was pretty consistent. It was all cloudy, and so it didn't ended up being pretty cool. Pro tip number four: Yeah, you can't always rely on that camera. Boom. Boom.
1: (laughs) Pro tip yard sale.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) But then the the challenge is finding that that 18% gray that's in the same light that you're shooting in too, right? So that's smart. That's good. You know, you can use the back of your hand. You can use, sometimes you can use grass if it's about right. But when you're shooting a telephoto, you can't use the back of your hand. So it's really, you just got to be creative and try to find that situation. And,
0: and if there's an opportunity, you bracket yeah. a lot too if you're shooting stills. I mean, video's different, but with stills, you know that you've got to cover it. So I, I hit the spectrum. I, you know, shoot three or four different exposures to make sure it turns out
2: that's what i was doing beforehand when i first came up on them because i didn't even go to manual i was just bracking in the heck out of it but the best right. stuff came after i had time to make the manual adjustment and then and then get the shot so it was definitely a good three four days for us we we got some okay. good stuff
0: nice variety yeah. and cool experiences to boot on top right i mean the weather the animals yep. what you saw wish i'd been there but i'm happy to hear the story and, and and see the images in video check that video out,
1: yeah, there was one there was one point in time where Mike had kind of whispered, "Oh, there's two coyotes over there," and we were just watching two bulls were kind of working in this little bowl, watching these bulls and cows, and I never did see the coyotes. And then I got home and downloaded images, got back to the room, downloaded images that night, and sure enough, I got an image where these cows are looking behind the bull, and there's two coyotes right. In well, in the well image that I never did see, but yeah, yeah, no, i <laughs> I meant to do that
0: that's a nice surprise, yeah, <laughs> that's a nice surprise, no kidding,
1: yeah, no it there was no shortage of surprises or pleasant surprises on that trip, even for you know just a a quick one it it was definitely productive
0: yeah well i'm I'm envious of the fun time you guys had in the in the images you collected,
1: and again, got to meet some great people, so yeah. As always.
0: Very, very cool. Well, thanks for sharing it. Anything else you guys want to add before we roll on, get back to our editing and other responsibilities and get ready for next podcast. We're doing a podcast in a few days. So we're going to, they're rolling out people. There's going to be more and more coming.
2: No, I think that's about it. Um, Just check out the website for the images, check out for the links for the SanDisk. We'll link to that Instagram page about that one image with the black that That's another situation where that that dude had to be on his toes for exposure, because you're never going to nail that what, relying on the camera
0: at all. So: I I'd, I'd roll the dice and, and, and I'd predict he's an experienced enough photographer he bracketed that like mad, but maybe maybe he knew what to do setting-wise. Yeah. to do. I know I would just bracket like mad, hit it and go because yep. limited opportunity yeah. but mm-hmm. it's, it's a great shot for sure alright, well thanks guys, that was a fun podcast thanks for taking us along on your journey to the Colorado Rockies through late fall or it wasn't, it wasn't late fall, mid fall, late rut into snowy conditions you've been listening to Wild and Exposed podcast thanks for tuning in